We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know about you guys, uh, but I have a morning routine. You guys can take a seat. I have a, a morning routine, and it's, it's pretty, like, regimented. Every morning, I have my set things that I have to do. So usually when I wake up, and here's a fun fact. Um, so Alfie uh, is my husband, and he makes me coffee every morning. Everybody say aw. It's a gift, okay? It's a gift. It's a gift. So I wake up in the morning, and usually I'll look to my left, and there is my hot cup of coffee that my hot husband brought me. <laughs> and, and so I kind of sit up and scooch up and wipe the sleep out of my eyes, and I jump right into grabbing my phone. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, my gosh, you're so addicted to your phone. No, no, hold on. Because I actually do grab my phone and open up the Bible app. It's the first thing I do. I read my Bible faithfully every single day. It's how I start my day so that when my children do wake up, um, I don't strangle them. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but when they do wake up, um, I'm ready, and I'm ready for whatever has, has come in my way for the day. Uh, then I go ahead and get myself dressed, and I spend some time in prayer after I read my Bible, and then I go about my morning routine. Things usually get a little bumpy when we go to get in the car, and there's usually this disagreement that breaks down. My three-year-old will say, I want to listen to Bluey on the way to school. And I go, oh, any Bluey parents out there? Come on. Bluey is the thing, right? It's the whole thing. They have an album. I didn't know. My husband introduced it, so it's his fault, okay, that I have to listen to this garbage. But then my nine-year-old will get super upset because he'll say, no, we have to listen to 80s music. I don't know what era this child, like, he was supposed to be born in, like, 2013. However, he is an 80s child. He loves all things 80s. Like, Michael Jackson is his dude. Like, he is just seriously in love with all things 80s. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what kind of music, as long as it's from the 80s, he's down for it. Then my teenager, you would think would be the biggest, you know, problem. But no, no, he has headphones now. So he's just like, whatever, man like puts on his headphones, so he's out. But then the argument ensues. And then I'll finally say, no, we're going to listen to the news. And I always listen to NPR news on the app. It's about 15 minutes. And this is where the morning gets rough, because I don't know if you've noticed, but when you watch and listen to the news, there's some really crazy things happening in our world today. This is usually when my peace begins to wane out my day and I am covered with the darkness of the headlines. Have you noticed what's happening around the world today? It's kind of a mess. It's kind of a mess. Here's some of the, the, this week's headlines. Do you recall this? Climate change worsens Somalia hunger crisis. Wow. So we are wrecking the world, and then uh, we're also making sure that that wrecks people who are already in a third world country, already hungry. Fantastic. Here's the next headline. Missile strike Kiev as EU brands Russia a state sponsor of terrorism. Man, I really wanted that to get better. I thought there was hope. It doesn't seem to be any. 
Or here's the next headline. UN is turning to Iran as it continues to oppress protesters. Okay. Come on, there has to be some good news in here somewhere. And then, no, receive the news that Chesapeake, Virginia, Walmart is the newest location for a mass shooting. My God, it seems like hope is gone before I ever even get my kids dropped off to school. Maybe I should stick with the bluey music or a little Michael Jackson to start my day. But it's everywhere, right? And we hear of what is happening in the world around us, and often we feel some sort of turmoil within us, and we can feel like there really is no hope for this world. And hope seems really hard to come by when we hear of war and disease and the darkness of sin colors our news feeds and our mornings. And we all really do long for a time when these things are just memories. My name is Emma Adams, and I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Church. And if you are tuning in online, I just want to welcome you in. And if you're here in person, welcome, because I believe that this Advent can be the arrival for hope for you and your families. Advent is a word that means arrival. And for us in the church, it's a season of waiting. We are waiting in anticipation around the world for the arrival of Jesus at Christmas time. In this season, we stand with our breath held in, waiting for the hope. And, and, and while the culture around us rushes ahead and they just want to celebrate, I mean, how many people were like, oh, at like the day after Halloween, we're putting up their trees. I don't know how many people on Facebook that do this, but they're like, they're so ready to celebrate the season. And I think it's really indicative of the lack of hope that we feel as a people, that people are just so ready for something good to happen, that they kind of rush into celebrating the season. Now, I'm not downing you. If that's your thing, that's cool. That, that can be your total thing. But I think it's indicative of our need for hope. But as Christians, we intentionally join in with the practice of waiting and for us, we're going to retrace the greatest story ever told back, remembering how humanity longed for the hope of Emmanuel God with us. So during this Advent, we are going to trace, retrace all of those steps all the way back to the beginning because the whole story of Scripture has been pointing ahead to the hope of Jesus. It is one story, one story and we're going to dive into that. So here is where we're headed. Throughout the Old Testament, God has made five covenants with his people. And they are more than marks on a timeline um, They're of chronological events. They're actually an outline uh, of salvation's history and fulfilled and completed in Jesus. So together, they're going to give us a framework for understanding the often confusing Old Testament. Anybody ever read the Old Testament and thought, what the hey nanny horse fanny is going on here? right? That is a free phrase for you guys to use anytime you want. Hey, nanny horse fanny, okay? Um, it's, a, it's another Christian curse word. Um, but <laughs> so this is what it helps us to understand. But even more than understanding the Old Testament, these five covenants prepare us for the experiencing the pinnacle of human history or the advent of Jesus, the arrival of King Jesus. So today, we start with the creation covenant that God made with Adam and Eve. I told you we were going to go back. We're going all the way back. 
all the way back to the covenant with Adam and Eve, and then the covenant that's restored with Noah. So we're going to jump back into the book of Genesis. Advent reminds us that in the waiting, there really is hope. And so on the first Sunday of this season, we light the hope candle. Um, and together, remembering that every place that we have failed, that humanity has failed, God has been faithful. God has been the light of hope. Notice that before the Advent wreath that we put, first of all, is a circle. It is an unending circle. And we use evergreens in our decoration because an evergreen is never dying, never fading. So that represents the life of Christ, the never-ending, never-dying hope of all mankind. And we light the candle of hope, and it brings light to the whole entire wreath. I've chosen to display what I think is one of my favorite things about Jesus was his humility. And so I chose beads made of wood carved by hand, and I thought, what a fitting adornment, not gold or ribbons, but a handiwork of wood. And so as we light that candle, we think all the way back in the garden, there was darkness, but he planted a seed of hope that continues to bear fruit through the grace of Jesus. Fleming Rudledge is an author and theologian, and he says, Advent starts in the dark. And though Christmas is called the season of lights, we remember that the story starts in darkness, longing for the light to come. In fact, the whole scope of Scripture begins that way as well. And you'll notice that in the beginning, it says in Genesis 1, 1 through 2, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It says, now the earth was formless and empty and darkness hovered over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I love the song that we sing where it says, and the Spirit was moving over the water. Spirit, come move over us. We see that in the beginning there is darkness, but the Spirit of God is still there, still hovering, waiting, moving and Genesis opens with this image of chaos and darkness and void, but the Spirit is there. And yet out of the chaos, God brings creation through his word. The first chapter of the Bible describes the poetic beauty of God's created works. And the pinnacle of this work happens in verse 26 and 27, and that's the forming of humanity in the image of God. Let's read together. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our own image and in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all of the wild animals. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You see, all creation bears God's glory but only humanity bears his image. He created all of the earth and everywhere we go. Paul says in the book of Romans that we are without excuse believing in God because everything declares his glory. 
That evergreen tree that you put in your living room declares the glory of God. The candle we light declares the glory of God. The, the very fact that the fire exists is the glory of God. And every molecule and everything holds his glory. But we have a special place. You see, we are his image bearers. The one who are created to be like him, to carry his image into the world around us. We are called to do that. We were created for this purpose. And God creates Adam and Eve in the garden, and he causes them to be his representatives. Now, these representatives enter into a covenant partnership with God. Now, you might think of a covenant partnership like a marriage contract that we have today, but it was much more serious in those times. He's saying to them, I will be your God and you will be my people. I promise that together we are going to rule over this world. Together we're going to bring my glory on earth. Together we're going to do this thing. And this covenant involves a commitment on our part to embody his character, his will, and his way of being in the world. That's our part of the covenant, is we're going to follow him. We're going we're gonna to call him our God, and we're going to be his people. In each of the covenant stories that we're going to explore, we're going to see how God does this over and over and over again. He chooses a person or people to be his representative for the rest of humanity. And the promise is not only for them or to them, but it's to be accomplished through them. Isn't that interesting? I'm going to say that again. You see, it's not only a promise for them or just to them, but a promise that's going to happen through them. He says to Abraham, and you will be a blessing to all people. It's to all people everywhere. And that's the first part. The first part that we just covered is the covenant of creation. But then something happens, and that's the fall of creation. The fall of creation. Genesis 1 gives us more than an origin story. It gives us an identity story. It reveals who we are designed to be and how we were created to live. It says the image of God, um, this image of God that we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be beloved by God. And so this is the identity and this is the first truth about us that we were created in the image of God to be beloved by God. So that's the first part about us. But by the time we get to Genesis 3, we have already failed in the mission of this covenant. We have already taken his image and cast it aside. So serving as his image-bearing, covenant-keeping representative was not enough for us. It was not enough for Adam and Eve. And so Adam and Eve desired more. And, and what they desired, what they wanted, what they were tempted and grasped for was equality with God. They wanted to be equal with God. It wasn't enough to trust in God's goodness for them. It wasn't enough to believe that God was good and only wanted good for them. They said, no, we want to know for ourselves. We want to design our own destiny. We want, we want to see for ourselves. 
And they wrestled over this control. And we shattered our covenant with God. But the wonderful thing about God is that he will never break his covenant with us. So while we failed, he was faithful. And even in our failure, he is faithful still. And though we were broken by the wound of sin, God promised healing and restoration would one day come. So humanity waited. And humanity hoped that someday the fabric that we tore into that connected us to God would somehow, some way be fixed so that we could once again be in a covenant with God where he would be our God and we would be his people, his beloved image bearer sent into the world. But hope seemed hard to come by. And the fall of Genesis 3 spirals into the far-reaching devastation of sin. And, and by the time we get to the second generation, we have one brother murder another brother. And it just collapses until Genesis 6, 5, we read this. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Every inclination, only evil all the time. And the result is the creation coming undone. You see, in Genesis 1, God brings creation out of chaos. But by Genesis 6, it collapses back into chaos again as the floodwaters are unleashed over all the earth. You see, once again, it returns. Remember, in Genesis 1, we had the darkness and the void and the waters. And out of that grew the beauty and the glory of God. But because of the collapse of sin in mankind, it is returned back into that water, back into that chaos. In six chapters, we manage to ruin that. Now, there are theologians that will argue how much time passed in those six chapters, and I have no idea. And if we were all being really honest, scholastically, nobody really knows. Okay, nobody knows how much time. We don't know how old the earth really is. And it doesn't matter because once again, that's just probably us trying to equate ourselves with God and know everything. But what we do know is that we fell and we are undone by our sin. And all the earth is groaning at the weight of sin and the chaos of our choices leaves the whole earth completely broken and in need. But we've got Noah. We've got Noah. And this is the hope of creation. This is my third point today. You see, the story seems to have come apart before it ever even had a chance to start. But again, God shows his covenant of love for you and for me. And he steps into the story. He steps in to, to love humanity and chooses yet again another representative. Adam and Eve fell, but God selects Noah and enters into a covenant with Noah, proclaiming that he will rescue him because of his grace, even in the throes of judgment. So God has Noah build a boat. Weird flex, right? Weird flex. But if you can't, if you can't get out of the water, sometimes you need a boat to get through it. 
If you can't get out of the water, sometimes you need somebody to carry you through it. And so that is what God does. And on the other side of the rising waters is the ark of hope. And in Genesis 9, God makes a covenant that echoes Eden with a promise of hope for all creation. And he brings all of the storylines together. And what is the first thing that Noah does after having left the ark? He plants a vineyard. He starts a garden all over again. A reminder that the garden will bloom again, that Eden is possible in covenant with God. And of course, that's not the only similarity between the stories. Once again, sin breaks relationships. It's not long after that drunkenness and debauchery cover Noah's family and the curse creeps back in and the downward spiral continues on. And once again, God steps in. He plants a seed of hope and we reap the harvest of redemption. So as we make our journey around the Advent wreath and into this season of waiting, we're going to see that the story begins in the dark. But this is what I want you to write down and remember today. The light pierces the darkness with hope. The light pierces the darkness with hope. A couple of years ago, one of our very sweet friends, he was actually my son's um, small group leader at the time, was a young man named Coleman. Coleman loved God, and he loved to talk about theology, and he had such a bright future. But one day, Coleman got called home by God at a very early age in his 20s. But the very last verse he posted on Facebook was that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot extinguish it. And I can tell you that many of us felt like that was a dark moment, but we all had the hope that Coleman carried with him into eternity. That is that the light will shine. It pierces the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome the light. Adam and Eve, Noah and his family, are all chosen representatives of God's covenant with humanity, even though they fail in their covenant mission. God is still faithful in his. There's been times in my life that God has been faithful even when I have not been. And I would bet that if you were to sit here right now and think back over your life, there might be a time or a period where you were not faithful to God. But I can promise you that God was faithful to you. He has been and he always will be faithful. So when we read our Bibles, even when we wrestle with the hard parts of the Old Testament, even when Leviticus feels super, super long and like rules that we could never follow, and when the Song of Solomon just gets kind of weird and a little too much for you, or maybe when you feel like you're struggling through all the minor prophets, I want to remind you that everything points to Jesus. Look at this. Genesis 1 through 3 reminds us that what went wrong in the garden is set right through Jesus. And Genesis 6 through 9 reminds us that even though sin is judged 
Grace provides the rescue. Grace is our rescue. But the ultimate fulfillment of all of these covenants is found in Jesus, who himself takes the judgment, who himself carries the sin and becomes the embodiment of our rescue on the cross. So today we light the candle of hope, waiting in expectation, holding on to the hope that we so desperately need in our lives. That hope is Jesus. He is our only hope. So from the start of the story, Jesus Christ has been our long-awaited hope. As we continue this Advent journey, we're going to remember that he is the fulfillment of every single covenant, and he is the hope of all creation. And as such, we've been given the opportunity to carry that light of hope. That candle that we lit this morning is a fire inside of you. It is the gift the promised Holy Spirit that Jesus bought and paid for because he didn't just come so you could be saved from your sin. He came so that you could have a life full and abundant. And how do we get this full and abundant life? It's through the infilling of his Holy Spirit. There are some of you today that need to raise your hand and ask, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can be the light that you need me to be in this dark world. Some of you are wrestling with sin and struggling with sin in your life. It's because you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you this morning that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wrestle with your sin forever. God can set you free, but you cannot do this work without the Holy Spirit. You need the hope of all creation living on the inside of you. And that hope is Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit. So we're going to pray in just a little bit. And I'm going to give you an invitation to receive that Holy Spirit. I don't care where you're viewing this or how or when. The Holy Spirit is without limits. The Word of God is unchanged. And it is the Word of God that created us in the beginning. Let me just tell you, it is the Word of God through the Holy Spirit that manifested plants and animals and life and created new and wonderful things out of the darkness. And I am telling you the same power that lives lived in that moment and created all of the glory of God can do the very same thing in your life. He can create the darkness and the void of abuse and oppression and he can create something so beautiful and so brand new by the power of his Holy Spirit. But you must have the Holy Spirit. And this is your opportunity to carry the light of his hope to a broken world. Jesus said this about you. He said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Stop hiding your light behind the sin you easily accept over God's Holy Spirit. This week, you can be a real live hope dealer and carry that light into your world. And I'm going to give you three practical ways this week you can walk this out. Three. You ready? Number one, invite somebody to church. Help them to experience the hope of Jesus Christ through Hope Church for the first time. Sit with them. Take them to lunch. Don't promise them Chick-fil-A. You know they don't open on Sunday. Okay, unless you're going to go and get Chick-fil-A Saturday and put it in a little cooler. I mean, that's a hook. I mean, I might go to church with you if you're going to promise me Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. It's a miracle, right? <laughs> so invite people to church. That's number one. Number two, we have a real life need. 
given to us through Love, Inc. So Love, Inc. hosts Code Purple in our city and around Sussex County. Code Purple provides shelter for those people who are experiencing homelessness on nights when it's 32 degrees or less. So people don't freeze and die. Literally, people are being saved from death, okay, through Code Purple. And they need people who can welcome people in and get an intake form on them. So we have to get their information to make sure they're safe at night. So all you have to do is sit at a desk, welcome people in and get their information. And they also need people who can act as overnight hosts. So you would actually go to the shelter and spend one night in that shelter, making sure men and women, and women are with women, by the way, and men are with men, that they have a safe place to sleep at night. You guys, this is saving people's lives. And this is an opportunity that I'm presenting to you. It doesn't have to be every night. You don't have to sleep in a shelter every night. You could do it once a month, once a week, whatever fits your schedule, but do it. You can reach Gisela. She's in charge of this. You can email her at Gisela at Love Inc. Um, or at Love Inc. of Marva, or you can call the number on the screen. The third thing that you can do is if you've been coming to Hope Church for any amount of time and you have yet to go through growth track, I would encourage you, you can be a part of bringing hope every Sunday morning through growth track. Growth track is our opportunity to tell you more about Hope Church, to give you our history and our story, but we also help you discover how God has uniquely gifted you through some um, assessments. There's two assessments that we give you that tells you your personality and it gives you your spiritual gifts. And then we help connect those two teams right here at Hope Church that can use those giftings and abilities every single Sunday. So those are your three ways. Invite people to church. Help Love, Inc. in the local community. And then get plugged into a team through Growth Track right here on Sundays. Listen, from the very, very start, Jesus has been the long-awaited hope of Christmas. He's been the long-awaited hope of creation. And you, you are that creation. You are the creation that most needs the hope of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're understanding this truth for the first time. Maybe you've strayed from the truth for a little while. I'm not sure where you're at today. But I can tell you that wherever you are, the Holy Spirit is calling you. Wherever you are today, the Holy Spirit is drawing you in. He wants to, first of all, set you free from your sin and save you. That's called salvation. That's where you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where you say, today I'm going to lay down my sin and myself, and I'm going to follow Jesus. Whatever that costs, whatever that means, I'm going to figure it out, Lord, with your help. If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you. You can either scan the QR code on the screen, or you can just simply type, that's me, to 94,000. And we're going to connect with you this week. If you would just take a moment and just bow your head and close your eyes. If that's you today, I would love to pray with you. If you're in this experience, I would love for you to raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. And we're just going to pray together. Would everybody just pray, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Today, I want to start a relationship with you. I'm saying no to my sin and I'm saying yes to you. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I don't have to live in sin anymore, so that I can be free and walk in the freedom with the hope so that I can be a light? Father, I thank you for your death on the cross to pay for my sin. Thank you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning and you need to recommit your life to Jesus, the same is available for you. Maybe, maybe you've strayed away sometime. Maybe things have gotten wrapped up in your mind and in your heart and you've walked away from God. Or maybe somebody ticked you off in the church. Hey, been there. But I'm telling you that Jesus is here and he loves you desperately. And people aren't God. And whatever they did to you, it can be undone by the power of God. So I would ask that you would pray as well and just say, Jesus, I'm back. If that's you and you want to say, God, I'm back. I'm coming back to God today. Just type, I'm back to 94,000. And we'll make sure that you get connected to resources that can help you continue and grow your relationship. But I believe there's some people in this house this morning that need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. So if you would just take a moment, just close your eyes. I just want you to search yourself. And if you're saying, you know what? I, I don't want to struggle anymore. I want to have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me leading me on. If that's you, would you just raise your hand if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I just thank you for that. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I just pray that you would just fill this place. I pray that there would be a tangible uh, feeling with these people, those that raise their hands. God, those are, who are on, uh, online, God, I pray that they just would feel you filling them with the power of the Holy Spirit and freeing them, filling them with the hope of Christ on the inside. God, I just pray that you would fill them to the uttermost. I pray that you would just give them the supernatural ability to share their hope in such a way that people understand you. I pray that they would be freed from the sin they've been struggling with their whole life. I pray that they would be broken over them by the power of the Holy Spirit and that they would be imbued with the ability to follow you all the days of their lives, never lacking for anything spiritually. I pray that you would equip them with the gifts that your Holy Spirit brings that they could teach and preach and prophesy and sing. I pray, God, that they would have the power to lay hands on the sick and that they would recover. I pray that you would give them the very same power that raises the dead from the grave would be alive in them, that they would bring people back to life. Father, I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. May it rest on us. Come rest on us, Lord Jesus. And let us be hope bearers, carrying the candle of your hope throughout our communities this Christmas season. God, we ask all this by the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's hope, D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening.